And everybody said? Amen. Well, as already I've told you, this week is Vacation Bible School Week, and our theme is the Amazing Wonders Aviation. And so I tried to get kind of in the spirit of the thing, and I tried to dress up like a pilot. I look more like the man in black than I do. And so I thought I would get this look going. But then somebody said, did you get those out of the old man department? That was from Perry Wilson, by the way. And uh, so I decided I would just kind of stick with what I could see when I read. This week is going to be amazing. We're going to take a, a, a lot of trips. And I don't know if you've had your vacation yet, but in our Bible school this coming week, we're going to look at a lot of cool things. And I acknowledge there's a lot of wonderful man-made objects that, that you could see. I mean, there is the, there's the Great Wall of China. And then there is, oh, well, let's travel to the Great Walls of China. And then there's the, go ahead and just keep clicking. Yeah, the pyramids of, of Gaza. Then there's the Taj Mahal out in India. And then there's the, the Colosseum in Rome. And I mean, these are wonderful man-made things. The Colosseum has stood for almost 2,000 years. It's incredible. But far more than man-made wonders, man, there are God-made wonders. Victoria Falls in Africa. You can go to the, that place in Mexico, all right? You can go to, to the Great Barrier Reef off of Australia. And by the way, just as an aside note, since my son Blake has been in New Zealand, just to let you know, he is home and in the house today, and I'm excited about that. And then the Grand Canyon. How many of you have been to the Grand Canyon? Oh my goodness, I want to go there. It's kind of one of my bucket list things I want to do before I die. I want to go see the Grand Canyon. And, it, and it just, I just understand that it's just miles and miles and just this beautiful, beautiful thing. But far beyond looking at the beautiful wonders of nature, we want to look at the power of God on display. And a lot of times you and I don't live there, do we? We live so much in the moment of where we live, our conflict, our circumstance, our troubles, that we rarely lift our eyes off of ourselves and focus on the power of God and what God is doing in our life. Matter of fact, Mike, just back up four slides and, and just repeat those right there. Start at the Victoria Falls and just repeat that again. If he can do all of this in six days, Victoria Falls and, and the volcano and the Great Barrier Reef and the Grand, if he can do all of that, through his powerful act of creation. Think what he wants to do in your life and in my life through his amazing and incredible power. See, sometimes we relegate God to a Sunday morning experience. That we come to church and we plug in and we sing our songs and we listen to the preacher do his thing. And then when the preaching is over and we leave, it's kind of unplug and then we go about our business. God's power is always active and working in your life. Matter of fact, the key verse for this whole week, looking over our Vacation Bible School curriculum, comes from Psalm 147 and verse 5. It says, great is our Lord and mighty in power. Great is the Lord and mighty in his power. His understanding has no limit. His greatness has no limit. His power has no limit. His understanding has no limit. This great power of God wants to work in our life and in our heart. 
Now, in Vacation Bible School this week, they're going to learn so much. They're going to learn about, let me get my cheat sheet here, God's power over nature, God's power over the circumstances in their life, God's power over sin. Thursday, we're going to talk about God's power over death and how they can live um, a resurrected life and know Christ as their Lord and Savior. And then Friday, we wrap it up when we talk about God's power over our lives. Man, this is a very personal week. Man, we, want to, we don't want to just kind of throw out theology and we don't want to just kind of throw out a Bible story book, a Bible story book, a Bible story in a book. But what we want to do is we may want to make the Word of God not only alive, but man, we want them to see how it connects and intersects in every area of their life. And so it's going to be an amazing week. As you bring your children, as you encourage your neighbors to, to allow their children to come, it's just going to be this awesome week. But what I want us to do is I kind of want us to jump on the plane. I want us to fly to the Middle East here just very quickly. I, I want us to look at two children and what two children did. And, and I think you'll see in the story why children are important. And, and we put a high premium on children and children's ministries here at Kirby. And, and I don't apologize for that. And, and the church all decorated up. Man, I think it's awesome. I don't apologize for that. I just think it's beautiful, don't you? By the way, thank you for all of you who worked on that. It's fantastic. These are the hands of a craft klutz. I couldn't do this stuff if I had to. And so uh, I appreciate it. Would you just kind of follow along? Take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 6. John chapter 6, verses 9 and following. Now let me set the story. Jesus has been teaching, and he's been teaching a long time. Now, some of you may think a 30-minute sermon or message or talk is long. And I'm telling you, Jesus started in the morning, went through lunch, kind of went through the, the mid part of the afternoon. The crowd kept growing, and the disciples were worried because their bellies were grumbling because they were hungry. You ever done that, guys? You know? Your stomach's growling, so you look at your wife and ask if she's hungry. You know what I'm saying? Hoping for the yes, you know? And so everybody's stomach's probably growling just a little bit. The teaching's wonderful. The Spirit of God is probably just so resplendent. And I mean, it's just this incredible time where God is, and Jesus, the Son of God, is speaking to the spiritual needs of the people there. But then there's the physical needs. And so Jesus told them to... Uh, um, Go and let's, let's feed them. Judah said, how can we feed them? We don't have the money. Matter of fact, we're not sure if there's enough food in town to bring, get it and bring it, cook it, and take care of everybody here. What you're asking us to do is impossible. You ever felt that way? God asking you something to do that, that was impossible, whether it was out of your comfort zone, whether it was out of your sphere of influence, whether it was just something completely beyond you, God just kind of laid it on your heart and said, let's give it a shot. So pick up the story in verse 9. It says, there was a lad who had five barley loaves and two small fish. Now, by the way, let's don't picture Wonder Bread here, all right? 
Let's don't picture Wonder Bread. Let's picture five barley loaves. Bread beaten flat on a rock, most likely baked in an oven, may have rised a bit, but not much. Five barley loaves. I like wheat toast, barley, and not so much. Five barley loaves and two small fish. This is not the walleye that runs in our lakes and our and, and and here in Michigan. This is not this is not uh, oh man, lake perch. Dude, I want some lake perch so bad. If anybody's going to get lake perch for lunch, please invite me. I want to go. We're not talking, we're talking about, we're talking about little fish that were the staple of the Sea of Galilee. So when this little boy brought his lunch that mama had made him just to take care of a little boy's belly on a day. Andrew, the disciple, talked the little boy out of it. And so Jesus said, when he said, this is all we got, five barley loaves and two small fish, Jesus said, make the people sit down. And now there was much grass in the place. So the man sat down, the number of about 5,000. They didn't count the women and the children. Probably it was closer to 15,000 to 20,000 when everything was said and done. And Jesus took the loaves and when he had given thanks, he distributed it to his disciples and the disciples to those sitting and likewise of the fish. And as much as they wanted... As much as they wanted. Listen, this was, you know, the Golden Corral buffet long before buffets were big news. This is all you want. Can I have more? Sure. Man, that's good fish. Can I have more? Sure. That's the best barley bread I've ever tasted. Can I have some more? Absolutely. And Jesus kept blessing it and breaking it and giving it. Blessing it and breaking it and giving it. Blessing it, breaking it and giving it. And they just kept eating and asking for more. I don't know how long it took to feed 5,000 men, women, plus the women, plus the children. It must have taken some time. But then what happens? Keep reading. So when they were filled, he said to his disciples... Excuse me, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Therefore, they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets of leftovers. 12 baskets, about the only thing I can picture is a bushel basket that my dad would make us pick beans and throw the beans in the bushel basket. 12 baskets full of leftovers of five barley loaves, which were which they had not eaten. Listen, how was the multitude fed? They were fed by one boy who did not know theology. They were fed by one boy who, who did not have a lot of influence. He did not have money. He did not have wealth. All he had was a little lunch. And he made it available for God to use. See, sometimes we think that we got to have all the theology down before God uses us. We got to have all of our life, kind of all the ducks in a row in our life before God uses us. We got to have kind of have the messy parts of our lives cleaned up before God uses us. Here's this little boy who has a little lunch who gives it to a powerful God, and God does something so miraculous that, except for the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it is the only miracle recorded in all four Gospels. The key to this little boy was not his theology. It was simply his availability. 
Here it is. Use it. If you want it, go ahead. I mean, how would the little boy really was in a pickle, wouldn't he? How was lunch? He goes home, tells mama, how was lunch? Well, if he ate the lunch, and then she found out that Jesus asked for the lunch, you know that little boy's going to get it, don't you? I mean, he's kind of in a little bit. He just gave his lunch. He's just available. <coughs> Listen, most of the times, your greatest asset is just availability. He's just saying, Lord, here I am. Use me. Wherever you want to use me, however you want to use me, here I am. Use me. This is one of those use me weeks here at Kirby. Man, if you're not plugged in, if you're not serving, I'm telling you, all you got to do is come, show up. We'll have a designated spot, um, and, and you will just, somebody will plug you in and put you to work. You say, I don't like kids. Well, we're not going to put you around kids. There's all kinds of stuff, cleaning up stuff, setting up stuff, tearing down stuff to do, right? You say, oh, I love kids. Good. We'll put you around the kids, or we'll put you in charge of keeping that guy away from the kids, you know? There's something for everyone. J2, one of our ABF. ABF stands for Adult Bible Fellowship. It's one of our life group ministries that meets on Sunday morning. Matter of fact, they meet right after this service. Scott Patterson and Dave Hammer do a great job teaching that class. And they are hosting a tailgate party. No U of M Michigan signs this year, please. For those of you who do not know, <laughs> I am a Buckeye fan. Yeah, I, I knew y'all would get ugly right there. Some of you still ain't got your I've been here 19 years. You still ain't got your heart, right? But that's all right. And they have this tailgate party so that parents have a place to hang while their children are going through the VBS crafts and lessons and singing and, and, uh, and, and activity time. And it's awesome. It's a place to connect, and it's a place to help others connect to the church. It's been a wonderful, wonderful avenue to bring people to lower barriers, to bring people into the church. The whole thing started simply because they made themselves available and started grilling burgers. Now they do this zucchini thing, and the zucchini thing is more important than the burger thing, but I'm telling you, it's this great thing. It is just simply being available and saying, God, here I am, use me. Why wouldn't you want God to use you? Why wouldn't you want God to use something in your life and do something great for it? Anytime you make yourself available to God, Tim Hansen in his book, Holy Sweat, says this, God uses what you have to fill a need. Which you, will ne which you never could have filled. God uses where you are to take you where you could never have gone. God uses what you can do to accomplish what you could never have done. God uses who you are to let you become who you never could have been. All because you simply go, I'm available. God, use me. I don't know how and I don't know why, but here I am. Use me. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8 said, also Isaiah says, also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And Isaiah's reply to God's invitation of availability is, here I am, send me, 
use me, I'll go. And so we see a little boy who just demonstrates that to be used of God, all you have to do is just be available. And God just kind of takes where you're at and what you got and and just kind of adds to it and does his thing. And all of a sudden, something really incredible happens. You know, this week, we're not about entertaining our children. We want them to have a great time. We want to change their perception of church. We want them to see that church is an awesome place to be and and, and a great place to, to be a part of. But we want them to hear the message that God is a powerful God and he loves them and he and he alone can change their lives. That's why we do it. That's why I'm so afraid I'm going to trip over this airplane, fall down the runway right there and the whole thing. Well, let me take you to one other child. Go to 2 Kings chapter 5. Here's a little girl. Verses 1, 2, and 3. The Syrians had raided Israel. And it was kind of like these turf wars, territorial wars, feudal system. And so there were no kind of dominant empire. Uh, Babylon was kind of on the... Everything was kind of in a state of flux. And so they were raided. Syrian, the Syrians raided Israel captured this one little girl, she became a slave to the wife of Naaman. Naaman was a decorated soldier. Naaman was a man of wealth. Naaman was a man of influence. Naaman was a leper. Now, in that day, leprosy had a stigmatism to it. Not so today. The World Health Organization has vaccinated all over the third world countries today. And, 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 and that really has been kind of eradicated. The effects of it still linger on. But the spread of it has been t- very much d- diminished. But in that day, it spread. It was a hideous, horrible disease. As a matter of fact, it was so hideous that if you had it, you could not live in the home. You could not live in the community. They had cities of refuge for people who had leprosy. You couldn't even live in the city. You had to live kind of in a makeshift camp outside the city, away from your friends and loved ones. You couldn't touch anybody except another leper. Matter of fact, if you had leprosy and you were going to the city to go to the market, If you did have to go to the well for water, you had to, by custom and by law, go unclean, unclean, unclean. That would let everybody know a leper was coming. They were so scared of this disease of leprosy that they thought that if a shadow crossed your body, the shadow of a leper crossed your body, you would contract this terrible disease. They did everything they could to extract the lepers from society and place them in a place of non-community. Naaman was a leper. And this little girl, she hears his wife talking about Naaman's condition. And the little girl whose job it is to clean the plates, whose job it is to sweep the floors, whose job it is to water and and, and do menial labor, whose job it is to not speak to her owner, speaks up. She has a little boldness. And and it's so cool, because basically she says, if you just take him basic, I'm going to paraphrase, but if you read through verses 1 through 3, he said, if you would just take him to my master's 
Lord, Elijah, if you'll just take him to Elijah's God or the God of Elijah, you'll just find Elijah, he'll point you to God, and God can take care of this thing called leprosy. She spoke up. This little girl had boldness. Man, if there's one thing I wish we could reinsert again is this attitude of boldness, not of haughtiness, not of arrogance, not of elitism among us as believers in Jesus Christ, but a holy, godly, sensitive, kind boldness that speaks into people's lives with confidence, not because we are anything, but because God is great and powerful and he is everything. It's a true story. For over 20 years, a philosophy professor at the University of Southern California would teach, and there would be this part of his philosophy teaching, because he's very much an atheist, there would be a part of his teaching where he would hold up a piece of chalk and he would say, is anybody in here a Christian? If you are, we're going to prove to you that there is no God. If there is a God, and he would hold up a, a piece of chalk, if there is a God, he'd hold up this big piece of chalk and he would say, let God, you Christians, tell God to let this chalk not break. And he would drop the chalk and it would break into a hundred pieces. And he would laugh in a very mocking tone and he would say, see, I told you, there is no God. For 20 years, not a Christian stood up. Not a Christian raised his hand. Not a Christian approached a professor. There was a freshman who, who had to take this class because it was a requirement. He didn't want to take his class. It was the only kind of time he could fit it in. And he had heard this story before, and, and he just prayed and just asked that God would give him boldness. And so sure enough, it wasn't at the beginning this year, but it was kind of like two-thirds of the way through. And the professor started on his little diatribe. There is no God. And he pulls out the chalk, and he said, is there anybody in here who's a Christian? And for the first time, in over 25, 20 years, somebody stood up. This young freshman kid. He just stands up. He looks at that kid and he says, so you, sir, are a Christian. And he laughed. Said, so you tell your God to not let this chalk break when it hits the floor. I mean, the young kid just stands there. He didn't flinch. Probably scared to death. But he stood his ground. All right then. Holds the chalk up. And as he held it up high, it slipped out of his hands. Hit the cuff of his shirt. Bounced off his lapel. Hit the pleat of his pants. Rolled down into the cuff of his bottom of his pants. Trickled out on the floor and didn't break. The professor looked at the kid. The kid looked at the professor. The professor looked at the kid. Everybody was looking at the chalk. And the professor ran out of the classroom. All because one kid stood up. By the way, the ending of this story is while the kid was standing up, 
He just simply said, can I take five minutes and tell you about my God? And no one in that class of 300 left the room. I wouldn't either. I'd think God strike me dead if I did. <laughs> See, what God needs from us this week is availability and boldness. On your way out, we're going to have... We're going to have these cards all over the place. Take them. Invite your, children, invite your children's friends, kids on the ball team that they played football and soccer and baseball with and track and cross country. Invite them to come. Your neighbors that have children, invite them to come. It'll be a wonderful experience for them. You say, I, you can stand up. You can have them a card. You can just say three or four sentences. You can make yourself available. You can be bold in Jesus' name. The cool thing about boldness is that God's promises that every time you stand up in boldness, he always promises to be right there with you. Anytime you make yourself available, he promises to be right there with you. Anytime you speak a word of boldness, he's right there with you. C.K. Chesterton said that... Uh, he talked about boldness and courage, and he said this, courage is almost a contradiction in terms. It, be, it means a strong desire to live taking the form of a readiness to die. Isn't that great? Here we are. I'm just simply going to be bold and just lay it out there. God, I'm making myself available to you. So this week, my challenge to you is let's make this week a week of boldness where we invite folks to come to church, where we invite folks, I hope that wasn't a plane, uh, <laughs> where we invite somebody to, to come to Vacation Bible School. Let's take off and, and let's make ourselves available and let's, let's let God do something great and wonderful in our lives together. Let's bless God's work and workers and efforts so that God can do something in the lives of the children who are coming and who will hear God's word. Let's reach farther together to see God's amazing power this week. Amen? Would you stand to your feet? And we're going to end the service just a little different this morning. If you work in any capacity, if you're working in any capacity whatsoever this weekend or this coming week, whether you're going to Detroit for our Vacation Bible School in inner city Detroit, or you're working in our Vacation Bible School here, if you are working in any capacity, signing up, registration, cleaning up, you're just greeting people, you're working out at J2, doesn't matter, in any capacity whatsoever, what I'd like for you to do is I'd like for you to come forward right now. Just, just come forward. We're going to end with an altar prayer here this morning. I just want you to come. I just want you to come. If you want to kneel, kneel. If you want to stand, stand. Whatever is most comfortable for you. Don's going to come play just for a second. And then while they're coming, I want to invite a lot of the others of us to say, you know what, God, I'm going to make myself available this week. I'm going to invite folks. I, I, I'm going, I want to be a part of what you're doing here this week. And if the best you can do because you work the rest of the week, man, come and just say, I'm going to be praying for you. I'm going to be praying for you. But let's trust God to do something great and mighty. You say, what can God do in a child? Our children's church director was saved at the age of six. Don, you gave your heart to the Lord at the age of seven. I gave my heart to the Lord at the age of seven. 
our youth pastor gave his heart to the Lord at the age, at an early age, and also Joe as well. What can God do this week? And he can turn lives around. So would you pray with me, please, our Heavenly Father? Lord, may all of us, those who are kneeling, those who are standing, those who are busy doing last-minute detail stuff all over the...